Well, good Monday morning, everybody. It is the 7th of February, and my title today is One Missing Ingredient for Your Recovery. People ask me all the time, what do they need to do to find freedom from their sexual brokenness? They've tried so many times and failed. Many just give up and give in and hope they can keep it a secret sin. Well, that might happen for a while, but eventually it's discovered, putting in danger their marriage, family, job, and perhaps even their career like me. The closer their little raft is getting to Niagara Falls, they're realizing that they're going faster than before. They can begin to hear the roar of the tons of cascading water. And then there comes the moment when they realize they have passed the point of no return. And so they use that old standby saying, well, let go and let God. Eh, That might not be the best solution. Have you ever tried using that thought, let go and let God, while jumping off your roof? Probably not. That would just be plain stupid, unless the law of gravity would be stopped for just a moment and just for you. But listen, that's not going to happen. And yet on and on we go, slipping in the moment of temptation, falling back into our sexual sin because uh, our head below our waist is overpowering the one on our shoulders and our desires are so aroused it just seems impossible to stop. But it's not. However, we rationalize, we imagine that, well, this will be the last time. Yeah, we, we thought that when the last time was supposed to have been the last time, but it wasn't the last time. Over the past 16 years, I've been working on my recovery and have put together the things that I've learned into something called the 180 Recovery Program. And in that package of information, of 25 videos in a workbook, I cover all the biblical basics we need to understand about our sexual addiction and how to begin to gain freedom. By the way, it is available to you to purchase along with the workbook and the audio files. Just email me and ask. And listen, I will negotiate with you a price that you can afford and you will at least have the biblical physiological, emotional, and relational teachings on this issue that have helped hundreds, if not thousands, of men. However, in retrospect, I believe there's one part of recovery that I didn't cover in the videos. The more I think about it, the more important I believe it really is. In fact, this ingredient is one of the biggest most important ideas in all the Bible. It is mentioned 540 times in the Bible, 208 in the Old Testament, and 332 in the New. And it's just a simple word. It's only five letters. Jesus used it 53 times in the Gospels, and Paul uses it 117 times in his writings. That simple five-letter word is faith. It is a simple word of only five letters, and Jesus used it 53 times in the Gospels, and Paul uses it 117 times in his letters. That simple 
five-letter word is faith. Here's a passage critical to the idea about faith in Hebrews 11:16, quote, "And without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him." End quote. Think of all the times that faith was essential to bring God into some desperate situations in the Bible whether it was when Jesus was present or even before he came in the flesh. One of my favorites comes from a man who was a giant in having faith, and his name is Abraham. Remember, God had him wait till he was 100 years old, and Sarah, his wife, had never conceived and had a baby until she was 90 years old. Can you imagine going to a nursing home? And seeing a 90-year-old woman having a baby? (laughs) That's not a good thought. Queen Elizabeth is 95, and she's been sitting on the throne for 70 years. But it's been quite a while since she was sitting in the birthing room like 76 years ago. So this miracle child that was born to Abraham and Sarah, we know as Isaac. And when he is still young, probably an early teenager. God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering to me on Mount Moriah. Now, in case you don't know what a burnt sacrifice is, well, it's not like burning a piece of toast. I mean, Abraham was to slit his throat, drain out his blood, ignite the fire, and burn his body to ashes. The Bible does not record any lack of faith on Abraham's part. He doesn't do any bargaining with God like he did when he was negotiating for the city of Sodom. He believes and does everything for it to happen. He binds Isaac, places him on the wood. He takes his knife out of his sheath and begins to put it to the throat of Isaac, and just before committing the deadly surgery, an angel suddenly intervenes, and lo and behold, there's a ram who was in the thicket, been silent and hiding, or maybe he just was put there by God. But here is the thing we can learn, and this is amazing. Abraham believed God. Abraham had faith that even if he went through the entire process of making Isaac into ashes, God would resurrect him from the ashes and he would have Isaac back. As a slight aversion probably to wood, fire, and knives, I would imagine. Well, we learn that Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. In other words, God gave Abraham righteousness because of his faith. His act of believing that God, if need be, would resurrect his son. A great act of faith against all odds, with death being the result of every sacrifice he'd ever offered, and yet he had faith in his God. In fact, in Hebrews 11, we read these words, 
therefore one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe, do you have faith that the God who created the universe by just speaking it into existence, the God who demonstrated his love for us by becoming uh, the living Christ and sacrificing himself for all of our sins, the God who knitted us together in our mother's womb and who has loved us from eternity past and will continue to love us in eternity future. Can you believe, can you have the faith that he wants to heal you from your sexual brokenness? So much so that he has, when we believed, sealed us with the Holy Spirit as our guarantee for us receiving our inheritance in heaven, who has said that he will never leave us or forsake us, who has cleansed us from all our sins, past, present, and future, and has adopted us as his children. Can you believe, can you have the faith that he wants to and that he will heal you from your sexual brokenness. And whether he determines that your healing will happen in an instant or gradually through the years as you learn to walk in his spirit in a community of other Christians, which is the way I've done it, and they're struggling as well, but you help them and they help you. Either way, I absolutely believe that it will take you initially having the faith that he not only wants to heal you, but will bring healing into your life here on earth and then for eternity in heaven. Listen, if you cannot have that faith, then why don't you do what the father did whose son was demon-possessed? And he cried out to Jesus, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Heavenly Father, I just pray for everybody that's listening to this message or reading it that you would give them the faith to believe that in spite of what the history has been, that you want to heal us and that you will heal us as we learn to walk filled with your Spirit and in a community of other brothers. Amen. This is John Doyle with 180 Podcasts. God bless you, my friends. I hope you have a great day in the Lord. And we'll talk again tomorrow. Goodbye.